Welcome back to the Project 24 blogging podcast. This is episode 201. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We have Ricky, Nathan, and I, Anna, just so you know, if you don't. Anyway, if you listened to the last podcast, we uh, took a little bit of a look back because it was a milestone, episode 200. And so we thought for some of you who weren't here, or maybe some of you who were here and just would like a little update, we talk about some of our previous websites and maybe how things have changed since then, how they were doing. Um, And so today we're going to be talking about camperreport.com, which we played a couple previous episodes for you in the last podcast. So if you're listening to this, go back and listen to episode 200. This website, as I mentioned before, was before I even arrived. <laughs> I don't know about you, Nathan. Do you remember? Um, well, I believe the Camp Report was originally started in 2017, yeah. so I wasn't quite here at that point. Um, I came around late 2018. But yeah, this is one that's really exciting. As I look back on the episodes, this whole Camper Report discussion um, was the season one of this podcast. And oh, so it's yes. kind of fun to look back and to see like from episode one to now 200 episodes later, um, what things yeah. have happened. It was episode one, season yep. one, the actually. The very first one. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like we did a series on this website yep. alone. So uh, Ricky, could you talk about the inception of this site and kind of what the plan was and then where it ended up? What happened when you sold it? Yeah, so in the very beginning with Income School, we weren't building sites, right? We were teaching. The site building that was going on was kind of going on individually. I was pretty new to this. I was totally new to it when (laughs) I joined Jim with Income School. He had been blogging, though, for several years. And so he'd kind of worked out, I won't say a full system, but he he had certain principles that he he knew consistently worked. He had recently built Pontoon Guide, which was a a, a website about pontoon boats. And then um, I think it was around this same time that we also started a couple new websites. He started one on soundproofing. Mm-hmm. I started one on um, home security. And then he also started this one personally. So those two I mentioned, sorry, the soundproofing one, um, soundproof expert, and then uh, DIY house security. Those two we started together as part of income school. But separately, he started Camper Report. He had bought a camper. Um, this is kind of how most of Jim's site started. <laughs> um, the pontoon one was the same thing. He was like, I want to get a boat. And then he decided he wanted a pontoon boat. And then he researched everything that he could find about pontoon boats, realized the internet was lacking some good information and decided I'm going to make a website. And he did. Um, same thing with campers. So he wrote, and I can't, I wish I had more exact numbers, but he wrote several articles, might've been about 50 and then stopped. It was just like with the pontoon site. It was one of those ones where he got up every morning early, spent an hour, wrote an article, published it, and then went about the rest of his day. And so 50, 60 articles. So we're talking a couple months of work for him. And he was kind of done, right? And it sat for months. So I want to say he started it in the summer or late fall of 2017. And by the spring of 2018, we're working on these other sites. And he's like, Hey, Camper Report's getting some good traffic. It's not well monetized at all. These were in the days, by the way, when most of our income was from affiliate marketing. We didn't really do ads because programmatic ads were fairly new. I mean, there was like AdSense and stuff, but there just weren't a lot of options for for ads like we have today. 
And he comes to me and he's like, I really think that if we're going to start websites, we should do them as part of income school um, and build on those as case studies, not just be running our own side businesses. Let's start things together. And I was like, yeah, I totally agree. And he's like, okay, well, how do you feel about income school buying camper report from me? It's not worth a lot at this point because it doesn't make any, almost any money. So in, <laughs> income school bought it from Jim for $10,000, which was a great investment. And then we decided it was time to take that site, monetize it properly and grow it. And to do that with, you know, our, everything we knew how to do and to use it to try some new things. And so we decided that as we did it, we were going to podcast about it. And that was where the podcast started. We did a season. We did them in seasons back then. We'd do like eight weeks in a row. Here's, here's a season. And then when it was over, we'd just take a break until we had another idea for a new season. <laughs> um, and so this was season one. And so it started out with us just introducing, here's the website, giving some basic information about it. And those of you who listened to last week's podcast got to hear some of that. And then we showed exactly what we were going to do to it. And so as we work through this, let's talk about some of the things we did to this site. By the way, we sold the site in early 2020, and we'll talk about this in another episode because I want to talk about kind of what's happened since, what I would do differently, kind of how that sale went down. But we sold the site in early 2020 for over $300,000, and that was like awesome. <laughs> um, just incredible to think. I wrote some, some articles if, you know, several years later. Here's this website worth $300,000. Um, and before that, it was consistently earning nine to $10,000 a month for quite some time. So it, it made us some really good money. But what turned it around? What took this site from a site getting some decent traffic to a website getting a few hundred thousand page views every month and earning $10,000 a month for us, basically with us not doing anything um, after, I mean, we were literally just like letting it sit. And it started with the things we talked about in season one. So what was the first thing we did? In episode two of season one, we talked about boosting the earnings by installing ads. Literally, I signed up for AdThrive. So to give you an idea of that, to sign up for AdThrive, even back then, you needed about 100,000 page views a month. So with those original 50 articles, that's, uh, that's what it was getting. 100,000 pages a month in less than a year. That's a lot. Like, that's cool. That's, <laughs> that's really cool. That's awesome. Um, and so those first articles that Jim wrote were doing amazing, right? Honestly, like, just super awesome but very, very under monetized. We signed up for ads and immediately the income went up. <laughs> like makes sense that it would. Right. And today it's incredible because back then like AdThrive was one of very few options, right? You know, Mediavine I think existed. It was much newer, not as well known as it is today. Ezoic, we'd never, like I'd never even heard of at the time. And I know even today there's still others, Monumetric, um, AdSense existed, but the amount of money that sites were earning from it was just so small. We were just like, it doesn't make sense. Why would I litter my whole website with ads and right. make a few dollars? So we just didn't do it. Almost nobody did in the blogging space. In other industries, people did, but it was because they were just like the same kind of websites we see today, right? Where you see them on social media and you click on them and it's like, here's a compelling list article, mm -hmm. But you have to click through from page to page, right. and on each one, it's like 98% ads. Right. Those are the kinds of websites that used ads. Now we all do. So this, this is just amazing to me. So we're talking late 2017, early to mid-2018, and just the difference in the industry yeah. as far as advertising goes. 
I mean, we're just a few years down the road now, and yeah. the landscape has changed <laughs> enormously. Yeah. It's just crazy to me that now the majority of people that I see and talk to on their web uh, talk about their websites, they're earning the majority of their income yeah. from ads. Where past couple of years ago, we're talking like affiliate was the main go to. Yeah, um, it's amazing to me that in just such a short time we've identified such a valuable ad or a valuable monetization opportunity. And I think that that is a really important principle for everybody listening. The landscape has changed a lot in five years. It continues to change. And guess what? We just change right along with it. Part of the reason too, was that ads, you know, we, we talked about how you had to have tons of ads to make almost any money. And if you had too many ads, then you didn't get much traffic and bad user experience. But also affiliate marketing used to make a lot more money. Right. So back then, for those of you who weren't doing this back then, you wouldn't know this. It was, it was cool. Amazon, their commission structure was totally different. It didn't matter what category the products were in. You earned the same commission across the board. And in every month, depending on how much you earned them in sales, your commission would go up. So as long as you could earn a certain amount, and I can't remember the, the tiers and exactly how it worked, it's been so long since since they changed it. But basically, if you hit their top tier, which wasn't that hard for a site like this, you would earn 8%. 8% commission <laughs> on everything on Amazon. Now you're just like maybe averaging three. Right. Um, and there's a lot of categories where they just, there's no commission. Like the amount Amazon was paying out was substantially more than it is today. And they cut that back. So now it's by categories and then they've cut back on the percentages for each category and they've tweaked the category um, commissions over time and it's just decreased and decreased and decreased. But back then that's part of how Amazon grew was they, it was affiliates would Mm -hmm. go out and Mm -hmm. pitch Amazon products all the time. Yeah. Something that I see now in the industry, and maybe this is just one of the changes, but I, I think for the better affiliate marketing takes a little bit more work now than I think it used to. Yes. But I think a lot more companies are clued in to the power of affiliate marketing. And so I would go out on a limb and say that there's a lot more affiliate opportunities for bloggers than there probably have been in the past because um, a lot of companies, smaller companies, mid-sized companies, and of course, larger companies, they're being more um, aware of yeah. the 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 traffic that's going on on these websites. And so, you know, while Amazon has definitely decreased and maybe it's a little more work to set up an affiliate program or to work with a a company that doesn't have one yet, or it's new, um, there's definitely value there still. And so we've really maybe ended up with a different landscape, but it's almost for the better, I think. Yeah. Um, You put a little more work in and uh, the barrier to entry is maybe a little higher. Um, it's not so right. easy to slap a couple Amazon links on your website <laughs> and then make a ton of money. And so yeah. those who weren't willing to put in the work um, or aren't willing to put in the work, uh, they won't. And so that leaves a little more room for those of us who are. Totally. Product review websites where they've never touched the product. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has been going on for years. It's just now the internet's so saturated with this kind of content and it doesn't perform very well. But basically where, you know, people go read a bunch of Amazon reviews of a product and then sort of use what they read to write their own review of the Mm -hmm. product. And that just, it doesn't work the same way anymore. And now even Amazon's wised up, they'll have people who have bought the product create content and literally publish it on Amazon, which I don't even trust that content at all because it's like, 
yeah, you have the product and you wrote a review because the company sent you the product for free, so right. you'd write a review. Yeah, that's an unbiased review or or not, or not. right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, I don't buy any of that, so. Yeah. But I agree with you. I think there's huge opportunity now off of Amazon, and especially because buying behavior is changing. Yes, it's convenient to buy on Amazon. Yes, I can get two-day shipping, but where now, like, everywhere I shop online, I can eat, I can do pay with Amazon. I can right. do Apple Pay. Mm-hmm. I, can, right. I can use the shop app. And so I can have really high, a high level of confidence that, you know, my payment information is yep. secure. Shipping is going to be pretty fast. And so I just, I'm not stuck with just Amazon. Yep. It's just a little less convenient to have to go through all these other affiliate platforms and not just Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. So it is nice to see someone who has actually tried it and has invested in the product and yeah. maybe listed out their, you know, top choices for, let's say, hiking backpacks or something like Uh that. I trust that way more, especially if I know they're a real person and they've got experience in it than Amazon reviews. But I mean, let's be honest, those aren't always predictable Mm -hmm. and uh, useful. I'd say I ordered products on Amazon that had all these five-star reviews and thousands of reviews and I'm pretty disappointed with it. Yeah. But luckily you can send it back. Yeah, definitely. Another thing, as far as ads go, um, you mentioned something, Ricky, when we first signed up with AdThrive, there was the 100,000 page through a month kind of cutoff there. I think that over the past few years, we've seen a significant um, increase in opportunities for smaller creators. Yeah. And I think that that's a big thing. You know, we talk a lot about Ezoic. Um, they're someone that we use on quite a few of our sites for our smaller sites. And at some point it got to where, you know, their cutoff was 10,000 pages a month. And now creators can get in with even less than that. And right. so, you know, while again, the landscape has changed, I think that that's another thing that's just amazing to me that in such a short period of time, um, so many different things have developed where now even small creators with five, 10, 20,000 pages a month can get pretty good ad offerings. Right. Whereas, you know, you used to have to put tons of ads on your site to get any sort of money uh, or monetization opportunity there. Now you can not only put pretty valuable ads on your website as a small creator, but you have so much flexibility in choosing how those ads are displayed, where they're displayed, what ads are displayed. I right. mean, as creators, um, we can take control of that. And that's something that I really love now that I don't think was as available back then. And I, you know, and I will say like, you know, some people will tell me that they don't like Azoic. It's really complicated or really hard. Honestly, like they have a ton of options and that's mm-hmm. part of why it's that way. I think Mediavine and AdThrive are good companies. I've had a lot of interaction with yeah. Mediavine. They're awesome and they're really good people. One thing, cause I still have, I don't have a site on Mediavine right now and I'm going to change that before too long. I want to use them because I do think they're awesome. But I do have still a site on AdThrive. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that bugs me is like, I don't have like any control over ad placements. If I want an ad placement removed, I have to email them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With Azoic, I just like use the Chrome extension and I literally remove that ad placement yeah. and say, don't put an ad here. Yep. And so I, I, I do like that I have more control there. Mm-hmm. And anyway, that's, that's how I feel. There's a trade-off, right? Yeah, the more control you is. have, the more stuff you have to learn how to mm-hmm. do <laughs> to mm-hmm. be able to control it. But I I don't know. I like that. But the biggest thing for me with Zoic is just that you can start really early. When I first worked with Zoic, the cutoff was 10000 We told them that's it's kind of a problem. People need to be able to start earning some money from their sites really early mm-hmm. because that's what keeps them motivated. And 
they gave us the reasons why they had 10,000 and we said, okay, I get that. But respectfully, I still disagree. Right. And they listened to us and they changed their threshold. At first they changed it for project 24 members only. Right. And then they expanded it to, there were some other courses that were kind of working with them and then they just opened it up. Right. You can sign up at any time. Now the biggest limitation is because they just like everybody else use Google ad exchange. The biggest question is, will Google approve your site? Yeah. So if your site's too small, doesn't get much traffic, not a lot of content, whatever, it could be like, oftentimes the thing that holds you back is Google's approval. Mm-hmm. Which has happened to us. <laughs> Literally, times. it's happened to us. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not just reserved for people who have never made a website before. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's another good thing to bring up is like things have changed. Yeah. Um, and there are still barriers there. You know, some of the some of the barriers have raised, I would say, as far as affiliate marketing goes, maybe there's a little half, bit of a higher barrier there yeah. um, for as much you, as you can earn with um, ads. As far as ads goes, it's kind of lowered a little bit. But I think that these things that we're highlighting here kind of on the monetization side of things, these are changes that have happened to blogging over the last couple of years that are really positive in my opinion. Yeah. I know that there are a lot of changes that we or a lot of other people perceive as negative, uh-huh. um, but I think it's important to see like looking back, it's kind of cool to look back and say, hey, things have improved for us as creators in this aspect. Um, and so as these changes continue to come down the pipeline, we've seen quite a few over the last year, especially not everything's going to pan out in a negative way. Everything yeah. can, or, or certain aspects of it can become better for us. And so um, sometimes the hindsight, they say hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> awesome. I'm yeah. oh, sorry. Go well, ahead. I was just going to say it is like hindsight's twenty twenty, but like the reality is, is if we see these things that are happening and we can keep a level head, right. then we just adapt with them. And all, oftentimes the adaptations we make are almost imperceptible to us mm-hmm. because they just happen. Because and, and we make those changes as needed, just slight pivots. We don't even have to completely change everything. Right. It's just we're just gonna adapt here. And before long, when we look back, we see the changes. Right now, AI is a huge topic of conversation. People are really worried that people will stop using Google search because they're just gonna use the chat bot. I think that's garbage. That's not what's gonna happen. More often than not, what I want when I'm searching is not just factual answer from a robot i want i actually want a person's opinion or i want information that has to be gained from experience and so what's the change that's coming that i think is beneficial i think that a lot of the crummy commodity content is gonna just completely fail and i think that there are like thousands and thousands and thousands of bloggers who are gonna quit Mm. because they don't know how to create anything original and that to me is great because we're going to rid the internet of garbage content <laughs> because the AI is going to replace it all. The AI can answer those kind of questions a lot better than a human regurgitating yeah. what other people have said. And anyway, <laughs> I just I just think it's going to allow bloggers to kind of get back to almost what an, an adaptation of what blogging originally was, right? Influencing people, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily like me sharing my life, my diary online, but rather me sharing my knowledge and experience on a certain topic and that human element really coming back out. Right. And I think that's one of the things that's actually almost gotten lost in blogging that this is going to bring back. Yeah. Um, and we do have a full episode on chat GPT yeah. and all of what's coming in the future. So if you'd like to check that out, we'll put it in the show notes, what episode you can go to. Sweet. So uh, let's move on to yeah. <laughs> season one, episode three, where yep. you talk about 
what you did, why you did it, and the impact it had on the site traffic and earnings after one week. You talk about your 30-minute process for speeding up a site, and you talk about uh, incomeschool.com slash speed. Yes. So the, what, the do you, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. Like I'm looking at that article right now, which by the way, our blog post layout on the website right now is a little bit messed up, which is why that article looks funny. I'm actually going to fix it here because it annoys me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in fact, I think it's probably going to be fixed here in the next few seconds. Um <laughs> But a lot of our blog posts look a little bit weird, and that's just because of issues with the theme, which is actually something I think we're going to talk about in a future episode. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to get to talk to you guys a little bit about that. Anyway, but I, I'm going to leave this article, other than the layout, um, I'm going to leave it as it is so that you can see what we wrote about site speed a few years ago. I mean, back in 2018, right? Yeah. And back then, site speed was already starting to become a ranking factor, but also more than that, it was a user experience issue. If people were coming to your website and then immediately bouncing because things aren't loading, that would impact your ranking, even if it was indirectly, right? So we, this was like the first time we really thought much about page speed. Mm-hmm. And, and we focused on things that would be the most noticeable to users, right? So images loading slowly is a big problem. So we said, resize your images before uploading them. Now plugins do that. And in fact, there are themes that will just do it automatically for you. Zoic will do it automatically for you. It's like you don't even almost need plugins for it anymore because everybody just knows this. But back then it was like people are loading these massive images on their websites because our cameras can take these high quality images. And when you download a stock image, it's like 10,000 pixels wide. And you're like, I, uh, great. I'm not making a poster though. I just I'm gonna put it online. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like we, we showed here's how to resize your images and then go load them online. Now it's just super easy. We talked about using, we talked about why, right? Your ad revenue goes up as long if uh, your page loads faster because ads don't load until your other stuff loads. And so if people are already scrolling through your article, reading the text that loaded first, and the, ad, and the ads haven't even loaded, you don't get any revenue right. f- because nobody saw them. And then we talk about SEO. We showed how to test page speed. And it's just really funny to look at this because all of this stuff is, it's a, it's a bit out of date, right? But it was important even back then. And I don't remember offhand exactly what impact, I mean, that wouldn't have an immediate impact on our income, obviously adding adds to the website in episode two was probably the biggest impact, but these were little things that we did. And site speed was one of those little things that we did that we were kind of ahead of the game there. Other people weren't thinking about it yet because Google hadn't explicitly said, speed up your website Mm -hmm. (laughs) like they do now. And so people weren't doing it and we were, and that made a big difference. I think that there's a couple other things on the list here that uh, give me a little chuckle Um, and Mm -hmm. not necessarily the things, uh, some of the, Advice is still good, still relevant, um, but some of the things we recommend that we maybe don't anymore, um, we recommended uh, caching, caching plugin, um, which we still use today, caching. Um, uh-huh. And then one, there's a, a specific plugin that we uh, recommend here in step three, install and set up auto optimize. Uh, optimize. <laughs> yep. Um, anyway, it's just funny. It's, it's interesting to look back and see like our process for setting up a site now uh, you know, what what little optimizations we do now versus uh, what was happening then. Um, 
anyway, the, just a couple little things. And then the fourth step is to replace your highest impact plugins with better alternatives, um, which still isn't necessarily a bad piece of advice if you have yeah, plugins that are slow or heavy or not secure. Like, yeah, get rid it's, of them. It's kind of funny because there's so many more like even more technical things yes. now that people are highly worried about. Yes. Um, to, to get their all of the scores just green. I can eat everything green, right? Right. Um, so I can pass the Core Web Vitals tests. And and back then it was just like, no, just make your make your images smaller mm-hmm. and use use caching. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, who's not using caching? Right. You know? <laughs> right. Um, that's just it's become the standard because yeah. if you're not caching your site, then there's basically no way you're passing Core Web Vitals. Right. The last one I guess on episode four to talk about just quickly <laughs> here funny too. <laughs> um the whole episode was talking about the impact of installing an ssl uh certificate and i you know we were kind of chatting about this and having a good little laugh before we started recording like you know it seems especially now for a lot of us who have been doing this for a while it's like that's such a small little simple thing that in now many cases could happen automatically when you go to set up right. a website you um, set up a new website yeah. and it's like it's just it's just already secure. there or if it's not it's very easy to go do so anyway that was another one that we were laughing about but for those of you who may be listening who are new like we could probably talk about an SSL for a little bit yeah and you know um, the reason it was kind of novel back then is because SSL certificates had been around that encryption had been around but not long before this like you had to pay for an SSL certificate yeah. yep this initiative came out let's encrypt came out and was like, we want all, we want everything encrypted. Let's just create this encryption, right? And make this available for free to all websites. And so once that happened, it was like, yes, let's do this. And it pretty quickly spread. And now it's it's almost laughable that you would even t- have to talk about that. Right. Because, you know, if you see an HTTP, your browser is going to raise all sorts of red flags like, this site's unsecure. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, but back then, like, that was totally normal. And we told people like, and part of the reason we had a whole episode was it was like, here's how to go set one up. Your host can probably do it for you, but you might have to go to Let's Encrypt, get one from them, copy the information over. And then once you set it up, you needed to put a redirection plugin on your website that would redirect anything that came in as an HTTP to HTTPS. Now, basically, like if you're with a WordPress host that doesn't do this, you should probably change hosts because it's kind of a red flag if they don't have this built in. They're stuck. Yeah, they, they're they stuck like three years ago. <laughs> That's so long ago. Um, <laughs> no, but like now basically with like every WordPress host I work with, there's like a toggle switch almost like turn on the SSL. I, you know, you, you have to give them an email address. You have to tell them what website to put it on. But it just installs this SSL certificate, and then it's another toggle switch to enable, which is usually by default once you turn on an SSL certificate, a toggle switch to say enable SSL redirection. But back then it was like, okay, now you need to go get the really simple SSL plugin because that plugin will do the redirection for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like, nope, just turn it on. Yeah. And why you needed a plugin, I mean, really, it's like one line of code. Mm-hmm. In the HT access file, that's what the plugin was doing. It's that's nothing. so funny. But but most you know most of us don't even know how to get to that mm-hmm. file, mm-hmm. Uh, let alone how to edit it without breaking something. So we use plugins for everything. And it, I don't know. It is like I said, it's funny to look back on this 
even though it was only a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how a lot has changed, changed in just a few years. Seems yeah. like a long time ago, but also not. It does. It, it also right? does not, especially considering that like the halfway point between this and now was COVID. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, COVID was like just barely, right? right. No, COVID started in 2020. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. now 2023. It's been a while. <laughs> crazy oh man yeah and just i had a little fun fact nate and i joined uh like a month before or or just a few weeks before the covid, COVID right. really happened Early here in the u.s yep. and we went from working here when we were brand new to home like for a few <laughs> like weeks within like within like a week or two yeah it was yeah. so crazy well, yeah i guess um the stay home order yes i think true. was like in april that's true and you yeah. guys joined like late february yeah yeah a little bit longer so yeah that was an interesting <laughs> yeah. time anyway but we're all doing good now all right so we're gonna wrap up this discussion for this podcast but continue to listen uh, to the next podcast where we're going to Continue this conversation on camperreport.com, where we were back then, uh, what has changed now, and we're going to go through the final uh, part of the series about this website. So we're going to talk about recommended product pages on the website and how we hired new writers for the website, among more. Cool yeah, yeah, it yeah, will. Excited for that one. We just don't have enough time today for <laughs> everything. So it's a two-part discussion. And then we're going to move on to a pretty cool discussion about um, the garage sale when we sold all of our sites, right? All or primarily? It was all of our blocks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be fun. <laughs> Good stuff coming up here. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening to the blogging podcast and have a wonderful day. Project 24 is a product of Income School LLC. Results mentioned are not typical. The trademark Project 24 refers to the goal of some people to create a successful business in 24 months, but it's not a promise or guarantee of that success. Many online businesses fail because, like any business, it requires hard work, skill, and dedication. Before making business decisions, consult financial and legal professionals licensed in your jurisdiction. So in short, the only person who can make your business successful is you. We are simply here to provide information to help you along the way.